Critical Sanctuary Season 1, Jock Mock, and Fly Home. This is Staying In. We're gathered here today to celebrate the fact that I did a first, a, a first thing, a thing that I'd never done before last week. Okay. And I'd like to share it with you all. I mean, you two are pretty cosmopolitan chaps. Yep. Oh, completely. You've you've probably done this before. Yep. Okay. So I'm not expecting you to be wowed. I'm not expecting anyone to be wowed. I'm not expecting anyone to be particularly impressed. But I'm I I felt like it was not a big deal, but it was kind of like it was like a new thing that I'd not done before. And it was going for a winter summer holiday. Ah. A winter summer holiday. Travelling to winter sun. Oh, right. Okay. Yep. So instead of, you know, going on a season appropriate holiday or going to another country during the winter time that was also experiencing winter, which I've done quite a few times, I think. Been to a couple of places like during the winter, which is quite nice, like visiting like the German Christmas markets and all mm. that kind of stuff. Like it's it's quite nice to do that. But this was no, this was going to a going to another country and it being well the the island is known as the land of eternal spring that's adorable lots of lambs just roaming <laughs> just easter eggs for breakfast can i ask sam because I, I i love yes. these kinds of holidays because you get two types of passenger on the plane yeah <laughs> absolutely there are those there are those that dress for the uh, in for the weather of the country they're leaving from and there are those who are sat dressed for the weather of the country they're about to arrive at. Ready to go. Which of those were you? And on both occasions, I dressed like the country I was leaving from. So I arrived in Lanzarote in jeans and a hoodie. Bobble hat. <laughs> <laughs> and I left in shorts and a T-shirt. And when I came back to Manchester, it was very, very cold. <laughs> but what what a holiday it was. I did try some new things, some new foods whilst I was out there before um, as well. Have you guys ever had um, Canarian potatoes? No, but no. I want to. Are they like very, very small potatoes by any chance? <laughs> do, you, do you put them down the mine to figure out whether or not... I was just thinking that. You know, there's a gas leak. It's safe. Yeah. No... No, um, Canarian potatoes are salt-baked new potatoes served with mojo sauce. Now, <laughs> let's drill down into this. Now, let's understand the mojo. Um, yes. What does a mojo sauce consist of, Sam? Well, interestingly, a mojo sauce consists of two separate sauces so when you order canarian potatoes you get the potatoes these lovely salt baked um potatoes and then you get another tray or a plate which has two separate dishes <laughs> one with a red red dip and one with a green dip and together they make the mojo sauce so it's like epoxy resin yeah it's a little bit like you have a little bit of red then you add a little bit of green and no, in, no doubt there's probably parts of the island who are green first, then red, and then there's red first, then green. And It's like Devon and Cornwall. Yeah, yeah, like Devon and Cornwall. Um, but I tell you what, incredible. Incredible. I mean, who would have thought that salty potatoes was going to be? I know. 
Uh, it's, it's, it's a different world on the continent, isn't it? <laughs> well, I had a bit of a culinary experience. Um, I did wasn't obviously as extensive as yours. I went for afternoon tea last Sunday. Love an afternoon tea. Yeah, an afternoon tea is wonderful. One thing that I've realised is as I'm getting older, my sweet tooth is waning. Um, right. One thing I've noticed about an afternoon tea is you've got three tiers. Mm. And they bring this cake stand and plonk it down there. It's three tiers. The bottom tier is sandwiches, and the top two tiers are cakes and pastries. There's and a... it's incredible. Yeah. Tier one, smash, yeah. smashed it. Save yeah. me. Yeah. But, yeah. But they'd also provided free teas for you all to have as well. So you'd have like a tea in between each tier. Uh, hold on. Free tea or three teas? Oh, no. Again, my inability to pronounce T's and H's has been cruelly exposed. <laughs> the number three. Okay. Okay, three T. And did you get to select? The, yes. The only reason I ask for clarification is did you get to select the yes. T's? Now, you would love this place, Sam. This is Davenport's, which is, I think, number one for afternoon tea in the country. It's been voted. It's no, it's not. Yep. Literally well, it's been voted. What, there was there was a sign outside that said so, Sam. <laughs> it's like when you go to New York and everywhere's got world's best coffee or number one. But like the person who runs it is like a, an actual tea historian who is like an ambassador oh for the God. UK. And we had this long chat. It's like she quizzed me. She said, okay, what teas do you like? I said, um, I like green tea. She said, okay, how do you prepare your green tea? And I was like, oh, well, I take the bag and I put, I put a bit of cold water in there. She's Brilliant. Well done. Excellent. I was like, I really love this woman. This is incredible. Yeah. And we had Thirst Bush Darjeeling, which I'd never had before, Ooh. which is quite a, a very good tea to Thirst have. Bush. Yeah. And then we had I, we had a lovely Sencha white tea. Very nice. And then a, re, a then a lovely um, currency fruity rubos tea, which I know you don't like typically, Sam, but this one was an absolute belter. But I was struggling. I got past tier one, smashed it. The savory, the sandwiches were great. Tier yeah. two, okay. It's basically like the raid. Like working your way up, <laughs> level by level. And just like I get to the final tier, done. A thing goes away. And then we then the waiter comes over. Waiter um comes over and says, Oh, and just your scones are just freshly baked here. They're here, they're, they're on their way now. Oh my god. Oh, they, it's, it's seen as quite a dainty thing to do, but actually it takes fortitude and spiritual will to actually get Absolutely. all three, through all three floors. Yeah. I think, I think the scones are the killer. Yeah. You know, you get through yeah. the little finger food, you just pop it, you're just popping things in. You're not even, you're not even thinking about it. You don't even can. You don't even think about what's no. passing with you. Egg mayo, easy slamming mate. back the tea, yep. cheese and onion. Don't even know her. And then, and then suddenly, a scone turns up the size of your fist. Yeah. And you're like, oh. And you're like, God, oh, what am I doing? With the choice of two types of jam. Oh. <laughs> I can't. I can't skimp on the clotted cream. I'm. I'm literally like doing point work. You know, slabbing it, <laughs> slathering it on over the yeah. scone halves. Yeah. Just rendering it over the scone. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, brilliant! I'm gonna have to. I'm all right. I'm gonna have to go. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. We'll take you to it. Definitely, I think you'd love it. All right, thank you. Just thank you. Don't eat anything beforehand. <sighs> One thing that I did find interesting during my trip to 
Lanzarote is that I think I've pretty much convinced myself that Uno must be the most counterfeited game yep. I've <laughs> ever come across. Yep. Like every single like tat shop out there was selling a copy of Uno for about £2.50. Yep. Yep. Oh my word. And um, it was like, and as someone who likes to like buy games like play interesting games collect interesting games i was genuinely interested in in kind of like the games as they were like selling these games so i did actually and i know this is this this is pretty bad but i felt like i was doing the lord's work and i was doing a bit of research into like how these games are actually put together Mm -hmm. is that i did actually buy a couple of bad games did you Um, when you say bad games, what do we mean by bad games? Well, they one of them turned out to be pretty bad. The other one's quite fun. Okay. In a way. Okay. So it it was basically different versions of Uno that I'd never heard before. Do you know it? that they made a sequel called DOS? Yes. I did not know that. <laughs> but, that but that's your face that you're pulling right now, Pete, is what I fa- what the face I pulled is just like, oh, Oh, there's some copies of Uno there. I'm not touching those. Oh, hang on. Hang on. DOS. Hang on. DOS. (laughs) Fool me once. I I saw DOS when we were in Germany. (laughs) Yeah, you've got my attention now. And only only three euro. Oh. Don't mind if I do. So I guess guess the reason that things like Uno seem to be the more pirated things is because it must be easy to make them, right? Like, it's a deck of cards. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And, And like... If you're gonna if you're gonna counterfeit something like a deck of cards is probably easy at all levels to manufacture, right? So like, so for example, what do you need to do? Well, you need to be able to scan all the cards in easy. You need to be able to uh, print out all of the cards easy. You need to be able to put it in a box and include some rules easy. It's all just paper and it's all printed, and you can you can go through the loop of that very very quickly very very cheaply and then because of that and because it's got the brand on it you know uno you know it's one of those things of people know this brand right it's like uh yeah i don't know it's like um it's almost like a universal passport isn't it really yeah exactly um so i also have been dabbling with counterfeit games although oh my word not what's happened to us not out of choice i will say that uh, all right okay. um so i'm gonna very carefully say the next phrase uh, because our legal team has informed me uh and the legal team is um uh jeff who lives down the, uh, on the corner of the street um so uh the i was scammed by one of the one of the traders on Temu. So okay. notice, legal fans, I'm not using the phrase that Temu scammed me. Uh, I'm using the phrase a seller or multiple sellers. Mu- well, actually, this is the problem. Multiple sellers on Temu scammed me. Oh, my word. Multiple. What, what, uh, incredible. So basically, I don't know if you've I don't know if you've heard of Temu. Um, it's like it's the new. I've seen like, the adverts. Yeah, of course you have, because they're everywhere, right? So they're basically they are 
they are going after, they're trying to do loads and loads and loads of user acquisition at the moment, right? Like they are trying to, they are basically trying to get as many people into their system as they possibly can. And they're offering, uh, their, their whole strap line is basically shop like a billionaire. And the reason that you can quote unquote shop like a billionaire is because everything is dirt cheap right? But everything is dirt cheap and everything is meant to be legitimate, right? So when you go and look at, do your research into these places, they are all meant to be legitimate sellers. And it's kind of like the new, um, you might remember uh, maybe a year ago now, all the, all of the useless YouTubers were doing things like wish hauls and like yep. going on like Alibaba and like all these other sorts of places and getting all this tap. Well, Temu is the new one of those. And the idea is that it's essentially a marketplace, a direct sell marketplace, as far as I understand it, from the manufacturers direct to the consumer via Temu, right? So they try to take out as many of the, the, the middle people, and that's, that's the claim as to why everything is so cheap. Um, so I got drawn in by one of the adverts because I got three items free, when I bought four items, and the four items were very cheap anyway. And the three items that I got free, one of them was The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild on Nintendo Switch. What? Uh, yeah. And I thought, no. Could this... you could you select could you select what? Yep. So so I was like, no. Like, so I I was like, you know what? It's too good to be true. So clearly, let me put my credit card details into this uh, into this platform. <laughs> so, um, so I purchased uh, a whole bunch of different things. We'll go over what they are in a second. Um, uh, there were two items that I'm, I'm not going to talk too much about. One of them was a dice set. No, you're not really counterfeiting anything yeah. there. It's a dice set. One of them was a card. It's two fives on there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I did. I will be honest, Sam. I did double check. Uh, so. Um, one was the one was a deck of cards on like slightly plasticky card. Um, it was like quite a nice little set, but I basically just wanted a deck of cards that I could sling in a bag, like you know, proper fifty-two card playing yeah. deck, that sort of thing. So I was like, yeah, well, sure. I doubt these are these are you know copied or anything like that. Um, and yeah, so Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild on Nintendo Switch. Um, I've put this into my Nintendo, and it works. And there's nothing. We doesn't look dodgy. The case is fine. Like the printing is good quality. Everything seems fine about it. There's some. Um, it says in the middle that it's for the Middle East, Southeast Asia, and is an official product. But this is all branding that I recognise. And Middle East, Southeast Asia, that basically just means yeah, this is for a region that is. It's not a Western region, right? So, sure. So it's got the SRB on it. I chuck the cartridge into the Switch. It all plays beautifully. It's all absolutely fine. And like Nintendo's, I was online when I did it. Nintendo would, like we know what Nintendo are like with piracy. They would absolutely be able to detect this stuff. Um, it all just works. It looks identical to the real thing. I assume it is the real thing. I, I, I can't know, um, but it all works. Um, and I also got but Zelda is Donkey Kong. That's the yeah. That's, that's the, the problem. That... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, it's all fine except it. it, it it's all fine until Sonic says, "Gotta go fast." Um, <laughs> so, um, so that all looks legit, <laughs> and I'm kind of impressed with that. Um, it was free as part of a, a different thing. Now, I will say this: it is possible that they're doing things like um, loss leaders. So that is just a classic marketing yeah. strategy of you spend some money to to acquire a user. 
Um, so that's not. And then you go on social media to say, look what I got. Look what I got. And... Yeah, exactly. So, um, so I'm not. So I don't know. Uh, I can't tell if they're fake. If that one's fake, and we'll get onto that in a second. I also got four other items. Uno all wild. Don't tell me. I don't know why I bought all wild. I thought I'll give that a go. I, I, these are small games. I've seen these in airports. I would like to try some of these at some point. Like I'd like. Yes. To, so I thought, okay, Uno all wild. Cluedo suspect, um, which is a, um, it, it's basically a card based version of Cluedo with some different ver like it's it's a it's a weird twist on it basically. So Uno, just to uh, just as a reminder for folks, Uno is uh, published by Mattel. Uh, Cluedo is published by well, according to this box, unknown, um, but it's actually Hasbro, and then Monopoly. Uh, which the box for this, Monopoly Deal, so I, uh, th this was a card-based version, you can play Monopoly in 15 minutes, and I thought, well, I mean, if I'm going to play mm. Monopoly, oh, I wow. want to only spend 15 minutes on it. Um, the box for this looks like it fell out of 1996. It's got, like, the Parker Brothers branding on it. Like, really huh. odd. Like, it looks... Uh, it was kind of... Well, it was massively battered and, and all that sort of stuff. It looks kind of almost legit, this box. Um... Uh, yeah, like, it, but it looks old, like old school. And then for the final game, and this is why I decided to talk about this on this podcast, because this infuriates me, is Deep Sea Adventure by Oink Games. Oh, I've got this. Okay. Now, yeah. Yeah. Well, so do I, technically now. So this is Jun Sasaki and Goro Sasaki's, um, like, classic with Oink games. Like, it's a really good fun game. Yeah. It's about uh, it's about diving deep into the ocean. It's a fun, like, push-your-luck game. Um, and I will say this. The, the, the odd one out of all of these items, Decca cards, dice, Zelda, Cluedo, Uno, Monopoly, Deep Sea Adventure, is, is Deep Sea Adventure because all of the other ones you can totally see why somebody might come along and go yeah i'll copy these like these have mass appeal these yeah are... absolutely yeah but deep sea adventure is comes in a slightly odd shaped box they look like all of the other oink games boxes you know they're lovely small compact little things um it comes with wooden dice wooden play pieces um card like thick cardboard pieces inside as well but more than this who is who is going through temu thinking Oh, do you know what I really want? Oh, do you know what? If only I could purchase... If only I was a billionaire, I would buy Deep Sea Adventure, right? <laughs> like, you... you, you. First of all, it's it's a decent enough price as it is. But second of all, like... Like, it's not exactly a household name, right? And, that, and that's no, no shade to Oink Games. Like, it's a great game, but it's a hobby game, right? Like, generally. Yes, so, so I was looking at all of these, and I, I was like, huh. And the outside packaging all looks okay. And then you get inside. And some foley work. Um, the, 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 it, it immediately goes wrong. The whole thing starts to immediately go wrong. So, for example, um, Deep Sea Adventure, all the printing's off. Not by much. Yeah. But just a bit, Right. So, for example, there's just slight mis misalignment of the um, cardboard submarine. Um, it just is a bit wonky, right? Like it's the printing is just not amazing. Um, the and and the vibrancy of the color is just it's just not there. The pips on the dice that they provide, um, 
are all misprinted. So, for example, the two is like totally off, like totally off. Um, the wooden play pieces that play that are your represented represented characters. Two of them almost look like the identical, uh, an identical color to one another, so you couldn't actually tell them apart. Basically, I got two red ones, but they're ever so slightly different. I think one of them is meant to be maybe pink or something like that, but they're also different sizes. Like the actual, the actual, like you know, the actual quality of them. The, there's not a rigor to them. The play piece, one of the play pieces, is just the wrong color um, entirely. Um, but everything else, the instructions, all that sort of stuff. I mean, the cardboard chits inside that say, okay, this is this is a tile, you know, all that stuff. Again, they're all misprint. They're all slightly off, right? They all look slightly wonky. And that's not necessarily... That doesn't necessarily mean that it's a fake. There's plenty of Pokemon cards out there, for example, that are uh, slightly misprinted, and they're, all, and, and they're official. When you then get into things like Uno All Wild... All right, open this up. The cardstock... Is, is awful. Awful. Like, yeah. Like, to the point of, like, you know, I think it's all well and good to give Mattel a bit of a ribbing every once in a while. And I don't mind, I'm not above giving Hasbro a bit of a drubbing, but like, they would not let the quality of this card go out. Like, that the, the copy of the copies of DOS and Uno Flip that I got in uh, Lanzarote, the card stock was so bad mm -hmm. that. I you know you know that when you can't pick up a card from the table. Yep. And you can't like you just no matter what you're doing, you go, oh, I can't can't pick it up and one of the cards literally ripped. I mean from someone trying to pick it up from the table, the card stock was that bad. I mean, it is pretty much almost like three ply toilet paper. Yeah. Like it's just it's like it's like a card stock that got damp before it then got printed the, yeah. on. Like it is They went, What should we do with what should we do with this 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 bog paper that's been sat in yeah. outside all day? Oh I know. Let's print Uno or Wild on it. Um, so then you go and look at something like the instructions in something like Cluedo Suspect. So again, obviously the card quality is really, really bad. But you know, I mentioned earlier then it's really unclear who actually makes this product uh, from the uh, from the outside of the box because they've done this really weird thing where they've removed all of the branding of the company that made it, but the rest <laughs> of the branding is identical, right? And you just think to yourself, like, why did what? what why did you do this, right? So anyway, um, uh, and 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 Monopoly's the same, right? They're all they're all just you know, kind of poor. Like I say, the Zelda one, I don't know, I can't know, but Peter investigates. Oh, here we oh. go. Get the get, here we got the theme tune ready, Chris. Yeah. Uh... Perfect. Um, so I got in touch with Mattel. Um. They asked for photos because I basically sent them all the same email. Um, uh, all all of the play, all of these companies, including Nintendo, um, but Mattel, Hasbro, and Oint Games. Um, I sent them all the same email, so I didn't, you know, so I could have a sort of fair experiment to find out what it was. And I also provided photos of these items as well, like lots and lots of details of these photos. And they said, "Is this legitimate?" Um, I got in touch with Mattel. Uh, they asked for photos, uh, and then they just didn't respond. I got in touch with Nintendo and um <laughs> um they didn't seem to care which I was I was I was really wigged out by. I was like huh. they said um 
They said, um, don't know. Anyway, here's a website. Um, here's, here's a website where you can tell whether or not the game is fake. Uh, clicked on the link. Didn't work. So I've no idea what that was about. Um, and then they said, we suggest you get in touch with Temu to find out if it's legit. I was like, Nintendo, I don't mean to be rude, but I don't think Temu's going to be on the side of like, oh no, they are definitely fake. Um, so they basically said, you know, you'll have to ask Temu whether or not it's fake. So Nintendo don't seem okay. to So they don't seem to care. So Mattel, Nintendo, they don't really care. As, as far as I can tell. Hasbro, they took a really long time with me. As in, they literally responded to a bunch of different emails and asked for more information. Um, and they were looking into it. And they basically said that I've been advised by our legal team that these are unfortunately counterfeits. So this is Monopoly Deal and Cluedo Suspect. Um, we'd be happy to provide you with a claim email confirming that they're illegitimate so that you can go back to the original seller to get a refund. Our legal department has also asked if you can provide even more information. Um, there should be a sticker on the manufacturing thing, and they were right, that says where they were made and we are going to investigate further. Wow. They're going to be knocking on doors. They are going to be knocking on doors. So that was really good. That I Genuinely, I thought that was a really lovely move from Hasbro. I thought it was they seemed to care, which was which was good. And then Oink Games, they were actually the first to come back to me. Um, so they're only a they're only a small part. Like this is the thing that really, you know, puts it on my chips. Like they're they're a small manufacturer, right? They're a small board game company. We've literally talked to some of their people that work there because they go to small little conventions, right? Yep. Yep. So they said, "I'm really sorry to tell you that you bought a counterfeit copy." If you see our game at a really low price, you'd want to double check where you are purchasing the game from. Um, and they basically just said, you know, yeah, like it, it's definitely not, it's definitely not legit. We're really sorry, but that's it. That that that's not what it is. Um, so in the end, I got I got back in touch with them, and uh, after a little bit of argy bargy and don't you know who I am, Tunbridge, uh, Peter Willington from Tunbridge Wells, um, they gave me they gave me all my money back. Wow. Um, and I'm going to play these once, and then I'm, to find out whether or not I actually like them, and then I'm going to recycle them so that they don't end up in the in the chain. Because honestly, the thing that kind of got me with Deep, especially with Deep Sea Adventure, was this could be somebody's first non-mainstream board game. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like the quality of this is poor, right? And I don't want somebody's first time playing one of these games to be like oh well i don't really want to play an oink games game anymore because look i mean look, I, do you know what maybe we're better sticking with monopoly you know because because at least they have you know at least they have you know manufacturing standards right when you're actually buying a legitimate version of these and it's totally not fair on these smaller places because again i just feel like who's going out of their way to buy deep sea adventure right like who's who's sat there thinking oh gotta have that um so they're all going to get pulped, basically. They're all going to get recycled after I played them just to see whether or not I actually like the things themselves. Mm. And maybe I'll, maybe I'll buy them eventually. Who knows? Um, but wow. Like, what, a, what a, a, a sort of... What an introduction to Temu as a service. Yeah. Like, and I, I, it got me thinking, I wonder how bad counterfeiting games has got because obviously you know we're looking here at like cluedo and uno and all that so and you get it you know why these things are being copied but you know i've seen rumblings on places like ivc2 which is a board game business uh, website where they talk about you know 
big big manufacturer yeah. big hobby manufacturers yeah. being mm-hmm. like we are really getting screwed over yeah it's like the last five years or so there's been a noticeable rise like i saw i actually when you I, when i knew you were going to talk about this i had a little look online and i found a picture of someone showing their their counterfeit copy of terraforming mars they bought and the cards pick were literally someone to take a picture of the cards and you know how oh, no. so you couldn't read all the text because the flash um had covered bits of the text incredible um it's it, it is extraordinary it usually tends to be the bigger dare i say more popular titles so days of wonder for example every game from days of wonder who release a one board game a year they are more or less nearly top of the list in terms of yeah. counterfeit games for example margins on all these things are incredibly difficult to keep up right we know local game stores really struggle we know that even uh, some of the bigger uh, places really struggle with this stuff and we know that the manufacturers of these you know a lot of these people are hobbyists right like these are hobbyists a lot of them or they're into it for they're not in it to make their millions right there's very few millionaire board game makers right how how do we how do we avoid this how do we how do we do this? Is there not like again, Hasbro's big. Are they are they not going after these people like deliberately? Are they not is, do they not have somebody on their staff who's on Temu all the time going, that's fake, that's fake, we're going after them, we're going after them, we're going after them. Like mm, Yeah, take it down. Like like Pete Pete, that could be you, you know, like the book detective in Seinfeld. <laughs> you could be <laughs> the board game detective. I just think I you know, maybe maybe it's maybe you know, maybe it's worth maybe all that we can do is talk about the the things, the shops that we use and that we advocate yeah. and that we shop from. So for example, like Chaos Cards, uh Magic Madhouse. Element games if you're after cheap war game stuff and, and RPGs and war uh, and board games as well, they're pretty good. I like Zatu are pretty good. Zatu, yeah. really good. And I think, you know, what what you say and I guess what Oink Game says is is speaks true and if there's one thing that the board game market has going for it is that in terms of um price and cost games do hold their value yeah and uh, you know there there are a few outliers of course but they tend to be outliers for a reason and if something is too good to be true then it probably is i mean if you want to get a bit of a sense check, then boardgameprices.co.uk is usually my first go-to place whenever I'm thinking of buying um, any board game because that kind of that gives you a list of everywhere where that board game is being sold and if it's available and if it's out of stock and will give you a price rundown of of where that board game is on offer and its cheapest to its most expensive. And that can sometimes give you give you a good, accurate barometer of what you should be spending to acquire that game. Now, you can pick your shop at will. You might prefer one to another that's a bit more expensive because you get a good service from there. But a site like Board Game Prices at least lets you know what the wider market values that property as. So you know whether, oh, hang on, this is... This is a, there seems to be a lot cheaper here for for some reason. There must be some reason for that. Yeah, and I guess I guess it's a case of like, because this is the other thing, right? Like, Temu is is trying to be a legitimate business. They've certainly got enough 
money in the bank to 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 do these kinds of activities of like lots of advertising for example i suppose for the time being we have to kind of we basically have to go to places that we know are definitely going to sell you a legitimate good because even you know places like amazon for example are now starting to see these games enter their own supply line through no fault of their own you know um and counterfeits are going through that channel as well right so like even that space is now not necessarily going to be fully trustworthy which is mad like this whole thing is insane Right. Shall we? Uh, Let's talk about nicer we talk things. Talk about some good things. Let's talk about nice. Can we talk about now? some nicer things? Come on. Can I talk about some nice Let's things? Let's do it. I can. I've got a couple of really, really nice things that I wanted to share this time. One's the most Chris game that has ever been created. Oh my word! <laughs> okay. For 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 whatever reason, Chris, were you ever bitten, or did you ever, or did anyone ask you? Like a questionnaire for, for 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 something, you never knew what it was for. I literally have done something the other day for the Office of National Statistics. They just asked me these random questions. Oh right, okay. Well, they were pooling information to make the perfect game game for there you. There we go. So I can so I can talk about that game, or I can have a bit of an update on. Uh, I've been playing Critical Sanctuary. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm really. I'm I'm interested in this. This is an episodic kind of campaign-esque game isn't it this is the one that i played the intro to right yeah like we've got that special press pack thingy yeah so you play critical foundation and i'm currently playing critical sanctuary and you played critical foundation episode zero and i'm playing the full season of of critical sanctuary so the common the common word there is critical so critical is kind of like the brand and foundation and strategy are two different seasons. They're two different sort of branches of that brand. Um, now you can go back to episode number something, something, something. Chris will let us know um, to hear what Pete had to say about um, critical foundation. But the the broad strokes of this small box board game is essentially it's an RPG in a box and the, the whole selling point is the elevator pitch is, is that you can just lift the lid off the box and get playing yep. an RPG within about five minutes with it with no with little to no prep for a DM or a GM or any of the players to do, with little to no experience that anyone needs to have in terms of how an RPG runs or plays. You just open the box, you play them. Yep. And each box contains nine different stories nine different adventures over the course of a season which each take about 30 to 35 minutes to play so the so the whole the premise is it's meant to feel like you're playing like a tv series wonderful like every time you sit down you you're watching or playing a 30 minute episode of a tv series now the one you played foundation yes. was a sci-fi yes setting pete my genre and that was just the the sort of introductory episode zero yes. of that. Yes. Now, Sanctuary, which is what I've been playing, has a more fantasy okay. um, uh, setting to it. And I've been with my uh, weekly board gaming group, uh, shout out, yes. um, 
What do you call yourself, Sam? Yeah, what's what's the name that you have on your little and uh, your little patches? It's got it's got. I, mean, I presume it must be Sam and the. You're, you're right, Chris. We do have to come up with with something soon, or else it is going to really bug me. Um, uh, the and so we've been we've been playing that. We've been playing Critical Sanctuary season one, and actually going through the seasons. And we've had a couple of sessions now uh, of playing the game, and we're sort of like. Uh, I think we're about four or five actual episodes in, well, and I'm basically just just wanting to kind of confirm what Pete sort of you hinted at, and you sort of started to believe through the episode zero thing of how good this is mm. in terms of firstly getting people to play an RPG who've never played an RPG before, and also providing that. RPG experience that sort of yes. lived creative world experience so quickly and vibrantly yep. with very little prep time like I I, you know I was my usual diligent self and I've been the, the GM for the campaign and there was a little bit of reading to do in terms of the general rules and how it kind of operates but really there wasn't much and we've been having an absolute blast Great. going on going on our adventure and how critical is shaped is there is not much in the way of creative license yep. like there is a specific way the story needs to go and specific things yeah. that need to happen in order to make the episode so short in order to make the experience welcoming to people who've never made never played an rpg before so that was the thing i was most worried about was what's how do i Will I have to rein in that creativity? Will I have to railroad players in certain moments? And the reality of the situation is I've not ever had to do it. Really? Like the the stories are so well <laughs> written and um, uh, thought out that it's 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 kind of one of those things where the players will and this is how I kind of sense it from my point of view, is the players go into a scenario knowing how it's going to play out. Like, they know kind of what's going to happen. Like, there was this moment where we were on a boat and we were travelling from a boat from one part of the map to the other the other part. And before we went on the boat, I told them all about, oh, there's these people who are pretty angry who don't like us travelling up the river. I hope we don't meet them. Yeah. Anyway, off on the boat. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, I, you know, do voices and stuff. It's not <laughs> And and so the players know that when we get on this boat, we're probably going to have a fight. Yeah. And they know that we need to get to this location at the end of it. So because all the stories and all the episodes are kind of shaped with those kind of arcs in mind, like they're very trope heavy in terms of, you know, we started out in a dungeon, we had to break out and we got chased off by skeleton warriors. Mm. Um like because of that it means that there's freedom within it to um to be expressive like one of the band of people tried to distract the skeleton warriors by moonwalking and yeah <laughs> and you know fair enough i can i can let that happen there was still always the end game is always quite obvious and it's always quite clear what everyone has to strive for and get how they get there it's up to them but the end game is always is always quite clear and obvious. Mm. 
so yeah so it's been it's been an absolute blast and and we are definitely going to carry on playing these games i think they're absolutely excellent so sam as, as well given the fact that, as you say this is a season um it's almost like a little box set as it were and there are instances where you know typically when we're watching box sets of stuff or seasons you know we may binge a couple of episodes a week or it might be you know yeah. life gets in the way and we're not able to pick up an episode until like one week maybe two weeks later I was just wondering, is this a game that benefits from a weekly playthrough, you know, once a week? Or could it would it would it be the case that you could quite easily, even after a month or so, jump back into the next episode? Absolutely. Um it's so easy to kind of jump in and out okay. whenever you months and months okay. apart. For for two reasons. Firstly, each player gets themselves, once they've picked their little characters, each some of them gets a little bag which has their character on it. And Critical Sanctuary, by the way, has some incredible art by Vincent Dutre. Mm. Oh, wow, Vincent Dutre. Yes. And um, so each character gets their own little bag. And inside their bag, they can put their character card. They can put all the equipment that they've currently collected. They can put any sort of special items that they've collected all into their little bag. And that that stays sealed in the box, ready for the next time that we play. So it means that the first thing to do is get the get out of the player and go oh right yeah i had that item and i had that item and this is my player and this is the level they are at and there i am done the other thing that's great is each season comes as a separate pamphlet and the um and in combination of that inside the big gm's book kind of of the of the the rule section there's a, a paragraph which breaks down what happens in each season in each episode as well nice. so it's very very easy for you to go like previously on yeah, yeah, yeah. critical sanctuary and go like this on this time this is what we did we did this 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 and this and this is where we are right in the story and as well as each pamphlet for the book in each book for each episode there's also a little like a little bit of a recap in terms of this is where we're at this is what we're doing and this is what we are trying to do in the world so it is really made up and it is wholly designed for pick up and play experiences without any reliance on right we've got to do this within within a month or else we're going to lose track the way i like to think of um the difference between that this series of games and uh, more traditional role-playing games, um, even modern traditional, you know, fifth edition, for example, I feel like the the critical series feels like a game, whereas, as in, it, it requires the same amount of input and effort as a game whereas with ttrpgs they can often feel like a full hobby where it's like yeah no 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 this is your one like this like you are into fifth edition and like you don't play anything any of the other rpgs around this because it is enough to just be into fifth edition for example right yeah absolutely whereas this is like yeah it's for people who are like i don't have time for that in my life but I still want to enjoy the nice bits of making believe, right? Was it? Absolutely. Uh, I I think it's I think it's just an absolutely incredible series. Yeah. And you know, 
talking about price and cost, the cost of getting one of these boxes is really not for what you get inside of it and for the same equivalent time for you know watching a box set on TV I think it's an incredible incredible value for money it's been it's been amazing incidentally it was episode 177 that Pete talked about critical foundation thank you Chris but should we just talk briefly about the game designed for Chris by Chris yeah by many many Chris's that are currently being grown in a lab somewhere yes please amazing so here we go, Chris. First of all, it's called Jokmok, which is a town, a, a city in Sweden that for the last 400 years has held, held a winter festival. So I can see you there already yeah. in your mustard scarf, oh, yeah. your big woolly hat, yeah. ready, loving life, a yeah. little bit of culture. Little bit of, I love Sweden. Yes, I know you do. I know. And the best way and as usual my wife is the best person when it comes to boiling down games to their absolute essence <laughs> from a marketing point of view and she described Jotmok as this is a really laid back sushi go and I was like yes it is <laughs> yes it absolutely is and oh that sounds nice and how Jotmok works is it's a lot like sushi go it's a set collection okay. game and what you're trying to do is collect different goods as you're going around the jockmock markets, the the Christmas, the festive markets. Um, so you're collecting antique kettles, you're collecting uh, brightly designed wooden horses, you're stacking on hot dogs as you're walking around, and each one goes into your little tableau. There we go. And depending on how many of those you collect at the end of the game, you get certain points. And certain things have different ways of working. So, for example, for every three antique kettles that you get at the end of the game, that's 10 points. For every hot dog you get, it's two points. But don't be the person with the most hot dogs because you'll get points subtracted from you at the end of the game. So you've got to be sort of middling around your hot dog munching Uh in order not to be the person who's munching the most. And unlike in Sushi Go, you know, like... um, uh, how different foods as they go around the table have different scoring conditions. Jockmock works similarly in, in, in that regard. And it just has an exceptionally chilled out and laid back approach to its gameplay and its mechanisms that you cannot help just leaning back whilst you're playing it and just overviewing exactly what's happening and not feeling at any point in direct competition with any of the people around you just as if you're just lazily walking around this market picking up stuff as you're as you're going through and having a real blast just just trying to maximize the things that you're collecting as you're going and the reason why i know this is perfect for chris is at some point you just want to collect something because it's quite nice. Yeah. Perfect. Rather than it's gonna maximize. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna sometimes you just want a brightly painted horse. And you don't know why, I just kind of want that brightly painted horse. Sometimes it sounds like a Thika board game. That cult that, that that particular turn of phrase in Sweden, that philosophy, it's it's this idea of surrounded by friends, making time for coffee and cakes. It is. And that kind of light hour. So you should always make time in your daily life for that kind of experience. It's light without being too slight. No, no, absolutely. That's that's that really is the thing that that 
it does exude and you know credit to Henrik Larsson who 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 designed it and and the art as well is absolutely is absolutely stunning for it as well like things do the the things that you are buying um really do pop off the table Christina Hagerforce uh is the artist for this and and I do have to say that um when we played it for the first time we were kind of like that was just absolutely you know chilled out and you know I love a game where you can have a conversation on top of the game that you're playing and for it never actually to feel obtrusive like one of one of the takeaways that I mentioned when we were talking about Twilight Imperium was it really felt like you guys didn't come to visit me at all because we never actually spoke to each other about anything for a pretty much the whole weekend because it was just the game and even though I really love the game I kind of am sort of sad that I didn't feel like I actually spent any time with you because we were just it was just the game however with Jotmark it's should we um should we just have a little catch-up and we could just play something as as we're playing we'll just we'll just move a little thing around collect a little thing but we're, we're going to catch up while we're playing I love that sort of stuff nice I think the thing that really sort of has sold Jockmark for me and I'm definitely definitely keeping it in my collection especially as we're approaching you know more winter and and that sort of uh wrap up warm feeling is that there is a ton of there is a ton of stuff that you can add to the market and you can basically create your own customizable market depending on how combative or con- depending on how difficult or depending on how challenging you want the actual collection aspect of the game to be and in the back of the book it actually gives you some like recommendations of you know do you just want a chilled out family affair do you want it to be a bit more challenging do you want it to be there to be a bit more um cards in there that do have different effects and this is what you need to add into the pile to create that create that sound so or create that create that feeling so yeah it's um it's really really good you'll love it chris it's it's, it's just your ball game. we'll play on saturday sam Well, actually, I've got to thank you again, Sam, because you directed my attention to two um, card games that we, we were sent to really? review by Helvetique. Mm-hmm. Very kindly sent yes. us these games. And Coiled Spring. And thank Coiled you. Spring. Thank you very much. And you sent them to me because, A, they've got really good art, but B, yeah. they're cooperative card games. And I'm a big fan of cooperative games, uh, says my partner. And kind of riding that that kind of that sense of relaxation that you were talking beforehand, Sam, riding that wave, these are very, very pleasant experiences. They're not going to set the world on fire. They don't want to. That's not no. their remit. This is a part of a line of games. We've spoken about this line of games before that Helvetic, Helvetic games are doing, which are absolutely lovely, where they're presenting eco-friendly games. So yes. the paper that is used to make the cards and the box is responsibly sourced. So, Pete, when you've popped those counterfeit games, hopefully, Karma, they'll turn into a game that Helvetic will produce. I hope so. But equally also, that kind of eco-centric um, emphasis also is inflected upon the themes of both games. So these are Fly Home, uh, which is designed by Chloe Juridan, with illustrations by Lisa Voissard and graphic design by Vanessa Larson. That's a beautiful-looking game. And there's fish and fish and flip, fish and flip. It's got an N in the middle. Um, side note: Do you remember, like at school, primary school? Do you remember that little tuck shop 
was it fish and chips like the little crisps that were like fish and chips oh yes they, they were weren't so quite good. crisps yep. they were like mini they had the texture of a mini cheddar but they were like you know what i mean oh, like fish so good. Yeah. i've literally just forgotten about those now until then but fish and flip is designed by kevin lunn with illustrations by dominic venland now fly home is a memory game now my parents for some strange reason i think it's because of my respect of my nephews have become quite into memory games so typically all yes. picture pairs is another word for it where you've got loads of pictures face down there they're in pairs and you have to kind of flip up an image and then try and find out find its partner elsewhere if you don't find the right one you flip both down until you keep going what fly home does really yeah. really interestingly is that it takes that premise which you know it's lovely but it's very slight and makes it a set collection game so what you have essentially are okay will you pick certain traits you go okay out of the selection of traits we're going to choose a selection of them so we're actually looking for birds that match these particular traits okay so it might be for example a beak color for example or type of uh type of foot there's got to be a, a more morphological term for that <laughs> the type of foot sure right yeah you know what i mean yeah and you know, well it's it's a it's... little bit like you know on wingspan where you get those lovely little bit criteria yes. But yeah, this yeah, yeah. cuts straight yeah. through that and gets to the point, and it's in this nice kind of picture pair kind of way. Um, and it's that essentially. And if you are able to, you know, and and these birds will fit into particular habitats, so you have these habitats to the side of the board. So you're building up these sets. If you if you complete a habitat, you get a free go. Brilliant. And the game has this wonderful um, inbuilt clock, which is the owl cards. Um which essentially trigger the end of the game. So when you inadvertently reveal the sixth owl, that ends the game. So that's somewhere... All right, so it's got a bit of... Um, oh, what's it called? Forbidden Island. Yes, yeah, definitely. But what but, but what tempers that? If you're having a nice time, think, oh, I'm, I'm good that happened because of chance. There's also binocular cards, which allow you to flip over a card and have a little look and go, oh, okay, right, I found, I found the owl. As long as we don't flip that, the game can't end. But then, obviously, as more tiles get disappear, we're in that wandering tower scenario. We're thinking, okay, I swear it was that one was the owl. Hopefully, we'll, we'll just have to wait until we flip another binoculars to check. So, you know, you know, m my my young lad mm -hmm. uh, is also in the middle of uh, uh, picture pairs uh, fever. Uh, the Paw Patrol, you know, I'm an expert at that now, bloody hell. I can find a chase for a mile away. Rebel on the double. But, you know, how much... How much... I guess guess what I'm trying to say is how much does it feel like a memory game and how much does it feel like actual... There, there's some strategy there. It's still a memory game. At its core, it's still a memory game. The strategy okay. lies in that accidental flipping of a particular card. Think, oh, I've got a binocular card. Oh gosh, yeah, I remember that now. That allows me to flip this. But it doesn't but it doesn't feel but it doesn't feel juvenile, I guess. No, it's... not at all. I think they get a sweet spot. So you could play this with your son as a picture pairs game and you just take out the binoculars and and and, and owls because, you know, there's still pairs there. And when they're older, what's great is you can build on that and think, okay, we're gonna introduce now certain yeah. traits you're gonna look for. So it's not just matching the two respective birds. It's matching. It's matching birds that have the same um, feet beak type. type. Yeah, for example. Yeah. Um, or foot, to get all technical. <laughs> it's called jism, isn't it? 
Is it? Yeah. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> I, we should we should for sure find out that that's actually called that before we let this go out as a podcast. <laughs> oh. oh, sorry, it's called jizz. <laughs> well, hold on. The a beak, the, the feet of a no, bird. No, no, no. It's it's the overall appearance of a bird. Um, bird watchers or twitchers called it a jizz. Okay. Well, we okay. Well, just okay. So as long as long as okay. Well, if if Apple's listening, we it's all right for us to say that and for us to keep this yeah. included as a as a clean podcast tag. Yeah. Just so just make that very clear. Yeah. Sean Doody describes jizz as the indefinable quality of a particular species, <laughs> the vibe it gives off, and notes that although it is dismissed. Although it is dismissed by many as some kind of birding alchemy, there is some physical basis mm. to the idea of jizz. That's a quote. The, okay, good. There we are. So we're all right. We, <laughs> the vibe of a bird. We got away with yeah, it. Yeah, we got away with it. We got away with saying it. Yeah, good. Okay. Um, so okay. so the next one I want to talk about is a pattern building game, which is fish and flip, fish and flip. And the best way to describe this, so if your wife had played this game, Sam, I know what she'll say. She'll say, that is Tetris under the sea. <laughs> Because what you've got is you are essentially building patterns and the way it works is a bit like Tetris. So you start off the game and you've got you've got some you've got like a, a row of um, sea creatures and you um, and there's like and it, there's well, the highest you can go up to is seven rows high but you start off with I think two or three at the bottom. And what's happening is at the end of every end of every player's go, um, a new card will be added to that column almost like tetris ah, style okay and yeah. if you if you've got um groupings that are orthogonal to each other of more than more than one of the same type of sea creature so it could be a squid um, a swordfish a seal that that is that's that's escapes that escapes from this net because that's what this tableau of cards is a net and they disappear and then everything above everything above drops down okay okay i like this However, here's the interesting wrinkle. For a set to match, it's not just that you get the same creatures. They have to be both pointing the same direction on their cards. And this is the flip element because on one side, the seal is looking to the right. On the other side, they're looking to the left. So and each animal has a particular power, which once activated will allow you to flip like a whole row, say, for example. Because you play action cards and the actions will be like, okay, I've got this action card I can play that allows me to flip a single row or a column or a group of four. So you're, you're strategically thinking, okay, right, okay, I can play my action card and I can flip that row here or I can flip the ones of this single color, which is all different animals, but they all have this different colored background. Now I've got all the squid pointing in one direction. Brilliant. They can all go. They've escaped. Perfect. Then everything drops down. Oh, that's satisfying. It is oh, it is gorgeous, and the game ends if um, you run out of cards and you tot up what you've the animals you've saved, or it's filled right to the top, a la Tetris. Um, you've you've maxed out to the top there, and like it's so lovely when so you can kind of chain stuff together. Well, I use that power that activates this, then I can play this card, and then I cause this to flip round, and they're gone. So yeah, really lovely, satisfying games, but both games have this kind of ecological imperative to them and it doesn't hit you over the face of it um but it's there and both games are short and sweet and because of that you go oh should we play that again yeah should we try yeah let's try the other animals uh, now oh it's so good 
wonderful games. Wow, I feel like we covered. I feel like we covered a lot. Mm. We covered flip and fish, fly home, drop mock, and critical. Yep. Sanctuary, season one, and Peter getting ripped off, and then you getting ripped off. But we had a Peter Willington investigates, which yes, is, always that good. is good. Yeah, it's always good. Yeah. I enjoy yeah. those, as always. Whenever Peter dons his uh, uh, fedora to solve a crime. Uh, or indeed a mystery like what is mojo sauce and how do you eat it, mm-hmm. then uh, you can always come to stayinginpod at gmail.com to get your questions, your burning questions answered mm-hmm. on the on the show if you've got one. Um, you can also go to stayinginpod uh, at Instagram X. Mm-hmm. Sorry. And Facebook as well, but we're mostly on yeah, Instagram now just because yeah, it, it's just nice. Nicer. Yeah, it's a bit nice. Yeah. And um, you can also enjoy some of the Spotify playlists that uh, Chris has been curating, creating, overseeing. He's the caretaker, the provisioner, the curator of these playlists. Whenever we talk about something that has music associated with it or a soundtrack and then he'll add that to one of the uh, playlists um, and you can get access to that if you've got Spotify um, then you'll be able to uh, listen to them there find find all the links in the show notes that's the easiest way to find them I'm, I'm still debating whether to make my Twilight Imperium playlist public um, it was pretty good wasn't it yeah, I thought it was very good yeah, yeah. Some lovely, some lovely artists on there. Um, I'm thinking in particular Ash was obviously one of the most popular ones. I think it was actually about a third Beautiful. of the playlist was Ash. But it it wasn't the fact it was popular. It was just the fact that yeah. there was just so much of it. Yeah, there was a, there was a lot of Ash. Um, also, I was also exposed to some new artists as well that I hadn't heard before. Um, there yep. was a br- Cut Capers that was it the Br- a Bristol band Cut Capers and their album Sightseeing and Short Negotiations which was a lovely thing to have yes whilst we're playing Twilight Imperium mm-hmm. yeah that was great um, and the Silver Sun pickups um, Todd Terrier was in there as well some Daft Punk it was it, it's a I mean you know, if, if people are interested then just reach out just send a sudden message on yeah. stayinginpod at gmail.com or just let us know. It's on. a good time. And we can send you that good time playlist. Um, also as well, just say thanks to WizKids for sending us Jockmock and to um, Hachette for Critical Sanctuary Season 1 and for Cold Spring for Flippin' Fish and Fly Home. It's been it's been a bit of a bump. Yeah, it really has. Been a bit of a big one. But we are very grateful um, for them all supporting our show. Uh, but that'll do, I think. I'll do. Won't it? Yeah, yeah. that'll do. That'll do. 